Hello and welcome to Sideways. This week we're talking about the regret we feel at not acting sooner to make things better and how we might be able to focus on a different part of the story that's more positive. Martin struggles with pronunciation and we discuss the merits of 90s avant-garde rock music. Missed opportunities. Hello. Good morning. Have you got a smirk on your face? <laughs> I haven't really. Not to. Oh, not you've shaved your beard off. I have. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was sort of smirking for to see whether oh, you'd notice. Yeah. Um. <laughs> what was? What's wrong with your razor though? Because you've left a little bit of stubble there. Yeah, I've just left. I've just left a uh, a hint to to, to a beard. Uh, so you obviously didn't do it with a. You, you didn't do it with a wet shave, then. I didn't. No, no. I just used a, a number four and then a number two. You are a number two. <laughs> I thought I'd better shave it off after someone, someone shouting cat weasel at me in the street. I was a bit upset. I'd say that was um, that was probably at the at the more positive end of what people could have shouted at you. Uh, yeah, I took it as a compliment. To be honest, yeah, yeah, you should do. I like cat weasel. Actually, that when I whenever I've had a beard, when I've always thought one of the most joyful things about having a beard is shaving it off, wet shaving it off. It's really lovely. So you've kind of denied yourself that pleasure. Well, I got pretty close, but it's um, it, it just got itchy, to be honest, and uh, I didn't want it anymore. Right, well, that's that cleared up then. It is, thank you, yes. Right, let's get on with it then, because obviously time is of the essence. Well, yeah, I know, yeah, which is unusual. We're doing this in, in uh, a morning one, uh, on the morning of Friday the 13th, so I hope nothing goes oh. wrong. Oh, yeah. Have we actually, have we done one in the morning before? I don't think we have, no. Mm, that's interesting. But, yeah, it is, but being a lockdown one, it's a, uh, a, and Friday the 13th in 2020. You know, what can possibly go wrong? Yeah, quite. Uh, do you know, um, here's, here's uh, something, here's an interesting fact that isn't very interesting. I uh, flew for the first time on Friday the 13th. How about that? Did you? Did you? And you survived. So let's, let's put that myth to bed, isn't it? I did. I, w- I was flying to, um, to Corfu with, uh, with Adam. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was unlucky for Greece, the pair of you going over there, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, never mind that. What do you want to talk about? Anyway, well, I was sort of inspired uh, to, to sort of get a few notes together, really, by um, you sent me a picture. Um, and I know it's, it's quite rare for, you, for me to be inspired by anything you do, but you sent me, this, you sent me a picture <laughs> of a gold net strung up between two trees. You remember oh, that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't believe that. I know, I think you took it, I'm sure we, we, didn't I walk by it with you at one point during the first lockdown? Yeah, just a little tiny bit of background here. Um, when we were kids, the, the thing that you most wanted was to go up the park and for the nets to be in the goals, right? Yeah, yeah. Because then obviously yeah. when you scored a screamer, you didn't have to go 100 yards to retrieve the ball. And when we were walking, we went out for a walk, didn't we, in, in the first lockdown and we were walking through the estate and some kids had, had hooked up this big goal net between two trees and uh, there was no one playing in the in the goal was there and that was uh, quite a surprise and then I walked past it recently and not only was the goal net still there but there was a ball sitting sitting there effectively on the uh, penalty spot with nobody around. I know yeah and, and that, that struck me as a sort of a metaphor for missed opportunities because I mean you, you and I as kids we'd been out for hours on end wouldn't we sort of perfecting our, like a, a cold shot into the top corner, like a Roberto Carlos free kick. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that would definitely, when I was 
when I was a kid, that would have been a missed opportunity. Yeah. It would, but it, it made me think about the missed opportunities that we, that we all lament sometimes. And, you know, specifically for me, with regards to my drift into addiction. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, almost without exception, that everyone that comes into recovery wishes that they'd done it earlier. Um, but it's, yeah, it's sort of the, it's the nature of the condition. I think we seem to endlessly pro- procrastinate about doing anything ab- about it and by deluding ourselves that nothing's wrong. Um, but yeah, I haven't met anyone that's come in and, and has said, well, you know, I've, I've, uh, uh, I could have left this another 10 years and it, 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 I'd still be okay. That's <laughs> no, interesting because um, it, I was just thinking there, it's made, that, that, made me th- that makes me think about how... Uh, frequently I work with people and um, not necessarily addicts and they get to the point where they've asked for, for help or support with something and they want to kind of get on the the road to recovery and and then they and this is something else we've spoken about before they become very impatient they want to get they want to see results really really quickly yeah uh, quite often because they look at how much time they feel they've wasted not getting help and I always say to people, listen, nobody changes until they're ready to. So it's, you know, you can say to yourself, I wish I'd come into recovery 10 years ago or 15 years ago, or whatever, but you weren't ready to. So that was the thing that prevented you doing so. You know, it's- Yeah, it was. But I, I think that, um, although it, it, it is a very common theme, um, you know, would you, I mean, you would give advice, I mean, because it seems to come across and it was for me almost like a regret yeah. Um, we didn't do it earlier because we've, you know, f- for me and I wasted sort of, you know, a decade messing around when I knew I had a problem and didn't do anything about it. Um, I mean, when you have missed opportunities like that or regrets, how do you, how, how do you put, how do we put those behind us? What, what do you, what would you recommend? Is there a, a sort of a way forward there where we can stop letting that affect our choices going forward? Yeah, I think there, I think there is, and I think the thing that, and, and again, this is one of those things that I appreciate is easier to say than it is to do. But I think that situation requires a reframe. So instead of, and what I mean by that is instead of looking at, uh, taking the example you've just given, instead of looking at the 10 years you feel like you wasted um, and focusing on that part of it, we have to reframe it and focus on the part where we decided to do something about it. So you can look at the 10 years that you feel like you wasted and that will never give you anything other than discomfort and regret. Or you can focus on the day when you stood with your foot on the pedal bin, finishing your last bottle of vodka before you went into rehab and you see that as the start of a new life. Now, if you focus on that part, then um, what you're really doing is you're reminding yourself that um, you got to the point where you decided to make a change, where you took responsibility for yourself. So if you if you if you look at your life from that point forwards, you don't have any regret, do you? No, I don't. Right. So so arguably, there's nothing really to stop you looking from that point forwards, as opposed to looking from that point backwards. So you, you can look at any situation where you felt um, emotionally damaged or bruised, or you feel like you've made mistakes, or you feel like you've been a failure. But if you look at the part of the story at which you started to emerge and rebuild yourself, then you don't have to, uh, you don't have to sit with the regret, which, you know, arguably doesn't really do you any good anyway. 
No, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think uh, talking about opportunity, actually, I've got some nice little quotes in this episode, oh, which I'm pleased to hear. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the first one, first one is um, op- opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. Now, that was, um, that was one by, uh, by Thomas Edison. Yeah, well, that's, you know, a very, that's a very blue collar um, statement, isn't it? It is really, I'm but suggesting it's... that everybody who works is dressed in overalls. I mean, I, I rarely wear overalls to go to work. Yeah, well, I do. I wear them at work. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's about you. Thank you very it much. Fitted, well, it fitted with my my notes. <laughs> I was making it personal, but we know about Thomas Edison because he was he was he was a good guy, wasn't he? He invented well, he invented the light bulb and motion picture camera. I don't know. I think we have cro- he has cropped up before, but he's. Um, He's from he's, he's from Ohio in the in the in the US, and it's a bit of a we're doffing I'm doffing my cap a little bit to her because we know we got a, we got a, a few listeners in North America, yeah. so you know yeah. so they gave us they gave us Thomas Edison, and uh, you know we've got to be forever ever, ever grateful. We have yeah. spoken about we have spoken about Thomas Edison before because I can remember we because it's um, something that happened when he was inventing the light bulb was something I also often talk to clients about. Uh, when we're trying to work out what the definition of failure is, which kind of, is kind of related to what we're talking about. Because people would say to him, because he tried to invent the light bulb hundreds of times before he actually succeeded in doing so. And his friends would say to him, Thomas, why don't you just give it up? You know, you've, you've been failing at this 150 times. And he used to say, no, I haven't failed. I've just found 150 ways it doesn't work. You're exactly right. I mean, that did come up when I was looking at quotes, Thomas Edison quotes. That one was there. Mm. But, it, 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 but rather than 150, he said, I found 10,000 ways that won't work. So, you know... Well, it's, it's, it's no need uh, to be pedantic. I'm not being pedantic. I'm just thinking you're understating his case. <laughs> I'm standing up for him. <laughs> just on that point, yeah. though, I expect you, have you got another quote to give me? I've got loads, but yeah, go ahead at the moment. Did you, yeah. did you, were you going to give me another specific... Go on, you, I'll let you go with your quotes for a minute. No, no. Well, it wasn't no more Thomas Edison ones. That's well, the, no, have you got any more of anybody else? Yeah, I have. Go on, then. I have. Um, it's from another American person, actually. It's, it's, it's very much. It's very much an American episode. It, it's. it's uh, um, hang on. Let me just guess who it is. Is it John Bon Jovi? It's not Bon Jovi, but he could have made it, couldn't he? You couldn't he? Even say I'm it, sure. could you? Hey, you couldn't even say it. What, John Bon Jovi? It said bon John Jovi. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can edit that. You can edit that bit out. I'm sure you will. <laughs> yeah, okay, anyway, so it's no, Bon Jovi. It's not, but it's um, it, it's a guy called um, Eric Roth. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's an American screenwriter. He did Forrest Gump and um, and the latest Star Is Born, which I, which is a lovely film, isn't it? Do you like Do you like the latest version of that? Oh, I haven't seen it. It's too popular. Two, oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga, all that. It's fantastic. Anyway, I got off, uh, what he said was, "Our lives are defined by opportunities, even the ones we miss." Um, and I think, you know, looking back, there is it. it, it, it it's exactly right, isn't it? You know, some of the opportunities come along, we take, and it shape our future. And some of the ones we miss fail to shape our future. But when you look back, you know, when I look back and think some of the opportunities or situations that have occurred that I haven't reacted to my life could have been on a completely different course. For example, I remember just as I was just about to start work, I had an offer come through for me to go to journalism college, which was something I always wanted to do. 
And I sort of ummed and ahed, and, and in the end, I thought, well, I've just got this job now, uh, and I can start to earn some money. And I didn't go for it. I mean, in, in, you know, retrospect, I mean, journalism is, is sort of steeped, or it was during the during the ages, I steeped in alcoholism and, and drug abuse. Yeah, so I would, right I, would in, lasted, you? <laughs> I would have fitted in perfectly, but I don't think I've lasted very long. <laughs> yeah, you'd have been down the pub every lunchtime and doing about 150 Marlborough a day. Oh, no, I would, yeah, yeah, which was the tradition for journalists. I'm sure that isn't, isn't quite the same now, but, um, yeah, it, it, it would have been um, a very difficult person, uh, a very difficult time for a person like me who has addiction problems, yeah. Do you, when, when, when you think about things like that, um, you know, opportunities you didn't take, does that, is that also, I mean, it sounds like it isn't, but, you know, sometimes they, they can also be a source of regret, can't they? Yeah, I don't think that one particularly was, but, yeah, you, you're right, I mean... You know, like the, you, there's this, this sort of a, a multiple parallel universe theory where you know every decision we make, if we take the opposite one, it's something that happened, it's, it's happening there in a in a different in a different universe. So yeah, sometimes you think, well, what would have happened if I had gone down that route? You know, things would have changed. I would have there'd been different people I would have met. Um, you know, I'd have, I wouldn't have ended up getting married to because I met my wife at work, and I wouldn't have had the, 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 the children I've had would have been different or whatever. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's no point in regretting all that, is there? Um, no, there isn't. <laughs> there, there isn't any point in regretting it. And and in fact, um, you know, we can we can expend a lot of emotional energy thinking about the life we didn't live instead of concentrating on the one that we did live. You know, and that's and and really really that's kind of part of the source of anxiety. Um, anxiety is really about us imagining a future that hasn't occurred and all the time we're imagining a future that hasn't occurred we're not concentrating on the the, the present moment that we're living so I think so much of uh, our sense of well-being and balance <clears throat> comes from our ability to stay where we are rather than time travel off into different parts of our lives or even imagine parallel universes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't in, know how it drifted off. In a parallel universe, West Ham might have won the Champions League. But I'm not <laughs> gonna I'm not gonna expend too much emotional energy thinking about it. True, true, true. no, because that's, that's that's unlikely to to ever happen. But um well I think what frustrates me sometimes or sometimes I look at uh, perhaps I'll I'll get more frustrated by the opportunities that other people miss. And I know I really shouldn't. Um because That's a boundary issue. It is, isn't it, really? Because I get frustrated. For example, you know, I've known a lot of people that walk out of rehab, yeah. okay? They've got an opportunity to get their, their, their situation sorted out and they walk out early, you know? And I look around, there's some people that sort of, some people die actually waiting for that opportunity to come, to come along. I know, it, it, I know in, my, in my situation, I only have one chance with, with this sort of aggressive cancer looming. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I sort of still find it a little bit frustrating to deal with when people suddenly turn back up at groups and they've walked out early from rehab. And I think, well, why did you do that? And 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 I and uh, you know, I had to pull myself up on that a little bit because it's obviously perhaps the time wasn't right for them or something. I, I just knew when I went away, it was the, it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. And I can't understand why it's not for other people. Yeah, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? There's a there's a kind of necessity, isn't there, when that sort of happens? I'm going to give you a quote in a minute. Uh, there's an assessment okay. that sort of thing happens to recognise um, that uh, other people don't see the world the way that you see it. So if someone goes into rehab one, two, three, four times and they come out early, you can feel sad for them, you can feel disappointed for them, but you have, also have to remember that it's not your life 
But, you know, there, there is a point at which you have to recognise where you end and they begin because otherwise yeah. you, you don't have an effective emotional boundary. And uh, so the quote I'm going to give you is something a, um, a wise old therapist said to me soon after I'd qualified. And he said, one of the things you need to remember, Graham, is never to be more ambitious for your clients than they are for themselves. I like that. But it's very, like impor- it's very important, uh, f- certainly for a therapist, because sometimes we can become, become so invested in the progress of a client that we feel almost more disappointed for them than they feel. <laughs> now, I can think of quite a few clients over the years that I've said, you know, where I've said to them, it sometimes feels as if I'm more concerned about your happiness than you are. And, and whenever you get to the point where that's the truth, that's, that, there's a, I mean, so, sometimes that can be quite a useful conversation to have with someone, but you don't yeah. really want that, you don't want that situation to continue for too long. And, and with, with the, the kind of missed opportunities thing, I think it's very important for us to, if we're going to acknowledge the opportunities we missed, we need to balance that out by thinking about the opportunities that we took. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. Because when, when I look back and, and think, well, I didn't, you know, I missed the opportunity to, to, to start my recovery journey early because I didn't, I didn't embrace AA when I first went along to their meetings and I didn't, you know, there's several opportunities I could have spoken to, the, to my doctor about it and I, and I didn't. I, I constantly procrastinated on that. Um, but yeah, taking the, when the opportunities did arise, um, again, probably at the right time, you know, I, I took them. And so, yeah, I, I do feel happier about, about that, that aspect. Um, but I think it's quite, it's quite strange, isn't it, how, these, how the missed ones and the ones we take um, both have a, an, an equal opportunity to shape the way we have progressed or gone forward. Yeah, I think we have a tendency to think more about missed opportunities when we have a particular, when we hold a particular view of ourselves. So, for instance, if you feel uh, in any way kind of negatively about yourself, if you feel you're not good enough or you're a bit of a loser or you've made a bit of a mess of your life or whatever it is, it becomes much easier for you to notice the opportunities you miss because that's confirmation bias. It's like, uh, I already have this negative opinion of myself and therefore I will make sure that I can find all the evidence that proves that I'm right. So if I think I'm a schmuck, I'll go, you know, I'll go through all of my memories and experiences and pick out all the things that I got wrong, all the failures I had, because that then fits in with this impression that I've got. I'm already looking through a lens of me being no good, so I've become very good at finding everything that proves it. Whereas if you're not looking through that lens and you're just thinking about all the evidence as a whole, yes, we can think about things we got wrong, sometimes disastrously, but we're still here, you know, so there must be something that we did. We, there must be some decisions that we made that were in some way positive for us. It's a very good point. And it, it reminds me of um, my key worker I had when I first went into the recovery hub. <clears throat> and one of the first things she did was to sit me down and go through a list of my successes in life. There you go. And I think to, to, to try and, go, try and to, to weedle out some of my, my negative thoughts because obviously yeah. I was in a very negative state at that point. Yeah. And I found, it, I, found, although I found it quite cathartic, but I found it, I found it quite hard to, to admit that I'd got things right, which shows probably the state of mind that I was in at that point. I bet it was a short list. It went on forever. I'm still, I'm still writing it now. I still have to, <laughs> I, I still have to, I have to email her in with my, with my today's successes. <laughs> Actually, it reminds me of a, it's, it's, it reminds me of an exercise I get people to do sometimes. Uh, particularly people who are really struggling with their self-esteem. I ask them to make two lists. I ask them to make a list of the things they don't like about themselves and a list of the things they do like about themselves. And before I ask them to do it, 
already I know which one's going to be long. And, and, but there's some, there's a kind of important piece of work in, in uh, looking at those two lists and seeing how they change over time. You know, you can start working with someone and then a year later or two years later, or six months later, or whatever it is, you can kind of revisit that list. And when people start to see a greater balance, when they started to think about themselves more reasonably, more rationally, that realization that actually they're not quite as bad as they thought they were gives it its own momentum. So as soon as, soon as you start thinking about that, you start to feel, well, you know what it's like, you start to feel better about yourself and it makes yeah. it easier for you to be kind to yourself and the kinder you are to yourself, the more you recognize your own kind of goodness. Fair point. Very good. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, there's, there's one last quote I want to put to, to, to throw out here. Okay, which is very, very relevant to recovery, I think. Although it's not John from, Bon Jovi. No, it's not. It's from Steve McConnell. Oh. Now, <laughs> he's, an, he's, a, he's, he's an author. He's an American, and again, another American. He's an American software author. So that sounds interesting. Okay, well, you, you, you'll be the judge of it after I finish this quote. But anyway, <laughs> um, in, soft, in software, consultants sometimes tell you to buy into certain software development methods to the exclusion of other methods. That's unfortunate because if you buy into, into any single meth, methodology, methodology, can you say that one? Methodology. Methodology. <laughs> if you buy into that methodology 100%, you'll see the whole world in terms of that. In some instances, you'll miss opportunities to use other methods better suited to your current problem, um, which I think is very relevant to recovery as far as you know whether we should go down the fellowship routes or uh, the therapy routes or um, the peer support groups or uh, you know, the, the smart recovery or a mixture of them. So I thought it's quite a, even though it wasn't to do with recovery, I think it fits in quite nicely, even though it, I couldn't say that word. That's very good, actually, because not only does it fit with what we've just been talking about, because it's the, it's the whole, the idea of, you know, having a myopic view of the world. You only look at one part of it, which is what I was saying. You know, if we only take that same approach with ourselves, we can't see ourselves clearly if we only think of ourselves in one dimension. And, uh, and it reminds me of another quote that I like to use with people, which is, uh, you know, about the importance of looking holistically at a person or even holistically using different methods of psychotherapy or therapy, which is if the only tool you have is a hammer, then every problem is a nail. Yeah, 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 I like that, yeah. So I've come out with a couple of quotes from a certain <laughs> me own today. Off the top of your head as well, which is quite impressive. For you. Have you finished your notes now? Pretty much. Okay, so I'm going to just, uh, so I'm going to kind of wrap up this conversation with, with something that, um, this is a quote from uh, Dr. McGavin, who was, uh, well, he's a friend of my mother's, my late mother's. He's, he's, my, he's my GP, actually. Well, he might have retired now, but he's... Okay. He once said, he said to me, um, and I think it was, it was probably soon after my mum had died. Uh, and the reason this is relevant is because um, we're talking about missed opportunities. And this is about the importance of recognising uh, the value of taking an opportunity whenever it is, however late it is, whether you feel like you should have gone into recovery 10 years ago or 15 years ago or whatever. He said to me, Graham, you know, so many people come into my room and they spend their whole lives asleep and then they die. And that is something that has always stuck with me. He was reminding me of the importance of waking up to yourself. It doesn't matter when it is. It doesn't matter how late it is. It doesn't matter when it comes. If you are fortunate enough to be able to get to the point where you, ha you really 
have a sense of yourself and what needs to be done, that is of immense value because not everybody ever gets there. True, true. I like that. I like that. Well, I've learned something. That's good. Uh, apart from what else I've learned this week. Have oh. it, what have you learned this week? Oh, well, I, I've learned that it's possible to make really, really nice donuts in about 10 minutes. Is it? Excellent. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a skill. Um, um, I'll ask you some of those will be flying my way fairly soon then. <laughs> well, I can't at the moment because we're in lockdown. Oh, yeah, true. I'll make you some after lockdown. I'll make you some in December. Uh, okay. Well, it'd be like we could have a, a post-lockdown party. Yeah, good idea. Yeah, pre-Christmas, post-lockdown. Yeah, I don't expect we'd be allowed out, but there we go. We could always, we always dream. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, go on. What have you learned then? <laughs> well, it wasn't actually this week, but I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with the American theme at the moment. Right, you're loving uh, America, aren't you? Today, you've got a Stars uh, and Stripes T-shirt on. I, I am. I am. I'm just. It just reminded me of. Um, we had a girl from Seattle come onto one of the Aspire to be Zoom meetings recently. Yeah. Um, which were, she'd, she'd just come out of rehab. It'd be really nice if she got back in touch, actually. So if she's listening, now let us know how you've been getting on. Because um, she came from Seattle, and it was, I was slightly embarrassed because all I knew about Seattle was um, was that Jimi Hendrix uh, has his, his grave is there, and that Fraser Crane, yeah. which uh, for your. Uh, uh, has his has his apartment in Seattle, yeah. and she told me she and she said, yeah. Well, the thing is with with Fraser, um, at the start, you know, with the opening credits, you get this skyline drawn out at the start of the of the of the uh, of the program, and she said it's that's the wrong skyline. It's not Seattle, and I, I would have never have known that if I hadn't spoken to someone with that that element wow. of knowledge. Now that do you know what of all the things that you've you've talked about that you've learned this week, most of them are dull as ditch water, but that one <laughs> that one is definitely worth knowing. It's right up there, isn't it? I'm yeah, happy with that it. that is absolute, that is top quality knowledge, that is. It is. And it, yeah. you couldn't look that, it, it, I doubt if you could look that up in a book, it's, it's something that um, comes straight from the horse's mouth there. From, yeah, I feel... An American awesome. girl I, from I feel, Seattle. I feel, I feel um, <clears throat> enriched is the word I'm looking for today. Enriched. Good, good. good. I'm going to go and spring in my step in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we'll bring it back down again a little bit then about talk about our guilty musical pleasures. No, I haven't got one. You haven't got one? No, I mean, what I've been doing the last few weeks, I've been riffing off yours, so whatever you tell me, it usually requires something in my own head, and I think, oh, yeah, well, actually, I did. Like, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we had um, Cliff Richard. Last week, we, did. we had uh, Halloween hit. So go on, what you got? I've got um, um, uh, Da 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 by Trio. Right, that's that's going to be that's going to be very difficult because I really, really, seriously hated that track. Oh my god, that is such a bad. I tell you, the only it has actually that sparked something in me, but I'm not going to be able to claim this as a guilty pleasure because I didn't particularly like the song. But do you remember "Oh Superman" by Laurie Anderson? I do. Yeah, actually, right. I've got that on forty. I've got that on forty-five. Yeah, that's the sort of nonsensical artistic bullshit you'd have liked, but. <laughs> I didn't like that at all, but the album from which that single came, some of the tracks on that are fantastic. Are they? So, um, yeah, they're a bit more tuneful. You know what I'm like with I like a tune, don't I? I, don't really I like, like a melody, but I think, yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten about Oh Superman. I wouldn't see that as a guilty pleasure. I think it stands up in its own right. Yeah, well, you would, because... Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Anyway. I'll tell you what I did like. I like those, um, do you remember the Biscuits trio? They were kind of chopped up with a little kind of caramelly bit. Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do remember those. Yeah, I mean, nice because they had a nice kind of chunky bit of 
of, of caramel. It wasn't soft caramel, it was harder. I, I like those. In a red wrapper with yellow writing, as I recall. Yeah, well, I just remember that track being, um, it used to be constantly played down at the Royal George, which was the, you know, looking back at the start of one of my, my, start of my problems, really spending way too much time in the Royal George. And I remember um, Sean Malloy singing oh. that to da 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 yeah clothes peg as he said have gone down the riser <laughs> he was yeah he's a cb handle at that time was clothes peg uh, yeah quite, so everyone called him clothes peg and he, yeah he used, to, he used to love it he used to put it on every time we went in there he really? put it on and we'd all have a little sing-along the only two tracks i remember from the the, the two tracks that I, I for me are synonymous with the albion are one um i the tiger which was playing in there all the time one year when we came back from reading and the other one was uh, the Joker, Steve Miller, which I think Yem used to put on constantly. Yeah, but I was talking about the Royal George, not the Albion. I don't know why you oh, said. I meant, sorry, I meant, I meant, I meant the Royal, I meant the Royal George. Those, oh, right, two, okay. those two songs are the ones that remind me of the Royal George. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we, we've sorted that out, haven't we? Yeah. Don't try and catch me <laughs> out just because I got my pub names wrong. I know you know every. I can name any village in Kent, and you'd be able to tell me what the pubs were in it. I think the, th- the thing with the Royal George, it's obviously no longer a pub, but it's actually a sort of halfway house for those people that have come out of prison. Um, and uh, we have people coming in to, into groups that, that live there because they've, they're coming out and they've still got addiction problems. Yeah, there's so an it seems in- synchronicity about it, really, isn't there? There is, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, listen, I've got to go because I've, I've got a client now. So um, I'll catch you later. Take it easy. See you later. Bye. Bye. Sideways was created by Graham Landy and Martin Pankhurst. If you want to read more about our work, visit grahamlandywellbeing.co.uk forward slash sideways podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and you can find us on Facebook at Sideways Podcast or you can email us to let us know what you think of the show and with anything else that you'd like to ask us. And finally, we'd like to thank you for listening and ask that if you've enjoyed what you've heard, that you spread the word. And we'll see you next week. And I won't remember you Calling my name I won't remember you But I'll finish this song just the same Just give me one day with paper and pen And I'll waste it writing about you Finally drained the coffee And this moon won't see me sleep The night's wearing thin But I'm still looking in For a moment I might keep And I won't remember you It's no use you calling my name I won't remember you I won't be a moth to your flame I won't remember you It's no use you calling my name I won't remember you But I'll finish this song just the same